You'll be turning to uh, the book of Hebrews tonight. I want to share just some information with you um, in connection with some things that Pastor spoke of this morning. I thought it was kind of convenient, too, because some of it was... Pastor's already recapping some of this. Um, about being closer to... Uh, drawing closer to the Lord. We all want to draw closer to God, right? Amen. Amen. We all want to be closer to Him. We also know that it's a two-part thing. And I was I was studying this. I was studying covenant not too long ago, and understanding and understanding covenant and the the uh, the argument of that when we go into covenant with God, the the problem that most modernization uh, Christianity uh, has is is that they don't see it as a two part deal. They see it as a one part deal, and it's it's been a bit of a, uh, a I don't want to say it's an evolution. It's a bit of a de evolution of, of what Christianity should be, and it's that Christ does everything, and of course He has done everything, and I think we can all agree with that. But when you really start looking at covenant and what covenant means and to go into covenant with the Lord and to understand the covenant of Jesus Christ, you realize it's a two-part deal. You can't have a covenant without there being two parties. And so when you, when you go into covenant with the Lord, it's a two-part deal. It's God's part of it, and then there's our part of it. And so the more I looked into that, I started to realize I was... I always knew it was a two-part deal, and I always knew that I had responsibilities on my part to do, but the more I looked into it, the more I realized, and it just strengthened the argument behind the fact that when we go into covenant with God, this is a lifelong relationship, and this is a lifelong thing, and this is something that I do every single day. My part is every single day. That's my part. You know, he, he done his part, and he went and died on the cross for me, was resurrected. The planning took thousands of years, right, to, to finally bring it into fruition. And as it's come into fruition, now I find myself being a part of this, this covenant. Finally being, I'm, I'm a part of this new covenant now. And so now that I'm a part of this covenant, and I realize, you know, I realize I repented of my sin, and I realize that that's a, a piece of the puzzle. And it's not just that I repented once. It's that I recognize that I have the potential of going back into sin at any given moment. Right? Now, thankfully, what Jesus did on the cross lasts a lifetime. But it's also lasts me a lifetime to make sure that I'm not falling back into sin again. So it's like, a, it's like this covenant. He did his part of the covenant. I do my part of the covenant. Both will cost us a lifetime. It costed him his life, right? And it also cost you yours. Which, it guys, I mean, really it kind of makes sense that it would cost that. And so, back to what I was saying before. Drawing closer to him. And what does that take? What are some things, now we could go a, long, a lot of different directions with this tonight. Um, but I'll read you a scripture based in Hebrews and starting in chapter 12. I'm going to read you some scriptures that are connected with this desire that you and I have to go further with the Lord. 
Going further with God is a very raw thing. It's very raw. When I, when, I, when I say that, I mean it's the kind of thing that when you get down at your bedside and you pray and you begin to seek God and you begin to petition him, it's something that you can't quite put into words because you feel it inside of you and it's like a draw. Anybody with me? It's, it's, like a, it's like a magnet and it's pulling on you. And you can't quite put it into the English language. You can't quite put it into the right words. But something is pulling you into him. And it makes you go back again. As a matter of fact, the, the result is, is that you get more excited about approaching your prayer time than you had been before. You're looking forward to it. Anybody with me? Amen. So I'm looking forward to this. I don't know why I'm looking forward to this because something's changed. Something's different. I'm being drawn into him. And so there's this, this magnetism to, as we draw into him. As, as Pastor was saying, he draws, we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And, and if, if you're like me, I want to keep that going. Right? So these things that we're going to, we're going to cover a couple things here in Hebrews that allow us to keep that going. It's also um, some prerequisites to show us of what can stop us from growing. So let, let's look at chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us lay aside every weight. The word weight in the Greek is a burden can be referred to as a distraction. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. So, you're in pursuit of the Lord, right? And you're looking to get closer to Him. One of the, uh, this particular scripture is referring to the weights or the burdens that come to you on a daily basis. Because I, I can assure you, uh, you're going to bear some weight at some point in time. There's some weights that you're going to, that are gonna that are gonna come upon you. The scripture uh, is really good here because it's saying, pay attention, pay attention to the things that are coming your way, and then when you begin to bear these weights, lay them aside because they only serve to distract you. Let me just kind of feel you out tonight. What are some weights? that could distract you from drawing closer to God? I'm, I'm asking for some input, literal input here. So what do, what do you think? What are some weights that can keep us from pursuing God? What, what, what is that, though? That's good. What is that? Paying taxes, paying bills. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, everything. You know, everything like it can cause you to distract you. What, could you go some other way to fix it? That's good. Paying taxes and paying bills, absolutely. Huge distraction. That can, that can really weigh you down. Like? Be entertainment. Okay. Could be material things. Been paying them taxes all day? Been paying them bills? I'd like some, I want some movie time. Okay, that's good. I could, you see how these blend together? What else? The news. The news. Watching the news. Oh man, that'll weigh you down. Things going on in the world. Worried, you yeah, that's that can be a burden. That draws your attention. I can draw that. Absolutely, quick. that's good. 
uh, but biggest thing I struggle with is just like sitting down to read my word and then I see something I'm like oh I need to get that right now and start forgetting yep. I need to go do that how many have done that right there what yeah. she's talking about it's like you know what's funny too I think sometimes the enemy and I'm not saying that the devil's doing this to you I'm saying I know that mm -hmm. and it's so funny to me that right when you sit down let's yeah. get focused on the Lord three or four things pop into your head oh you better get that done you better get that done you better get that done Oh, I better go ahead and tie those up. How many of you ever made it back to your time? I've, I've been guilty. I missed it completely. I got tied up, and that was the whole plot the whole time was to pull me out of that. That's good. All right, anything else? We're going to Sean. Television, movies, like you said. Yeah, entertainment, entertainment, right? Facebook, YouTube, okay. music, Social hobbies, media. You say social course, media? Social media. Ooh, that's like, that's like a forbidden thing to say. We're not allowed to say that. I'm you can't say in our culture. I'm <laughs> surprised someone didn't say it already. It's good. Another big thing is like phone calls. Okay. Yep. All right. So, so uh, no one ever distracts you. Telemarketer don't call until it's time to pray. <laughs> right? It, right when it's time to get focused on the Lord, phone rings, text messages come in. Hey, I need you to call me real quick. Wait. Not, of course, these are every one of these are fantastic. These are great. And so what the, what the word is saying here, let's just read that again. It says, lay aside every weight. Lay aside every weight. I don't talk about the sin part of it right, just real quick, but the weight of it. The weight. Lay aside weights. Meaning that you have a recognition and an understanding of what a weight is, and you recognize it as such. You recognize it as a burden. You can't lay aside something that you don't recognize as a weight. You have to recognize it as that. It's probably the first thing that I noticed about this. I said, but what if, what if I don't see it as that? What if I don't see it as a distraction? What if, what if you see it? What if you see it as a blessing? What about that? Well, God blessed me with this. He gave me this. He, he, he gave this to me to use and to utilize and to, to be prosperous. It's so easy to get off track and to start thinking about... Um, the weights as being blessings and then completely draw away from the very one who gave them to you not realizing that you've fallen into a trap and we begin to allow the weights to become distractions they're designed to be distractions that's something i think that i've noticed personally myself in this culture with christianity is that i hear a lot of christians talking about that and this is something i have been very uh weary of, very um, alarmed by in my own personal life is, is that I recognize the things that God has given me, I recognize the blessings, but I, I, I realize how easy it is to fall into a place to start calling weights blessings. To start recognizing something that, that is actually weighing you down and hurting you, and it's keeping you away from God, and we're saying, but it's the thing that God has given me, so I'm supposed to do it. It's almost like we've given ourselves permission to be separated from God. Almost like it was his plan. He gave this to me. So I'm supposed to do, I'm supposed to be distracted for a little while so I can get God's work done. We might be falling into a trap. It's like you're wound, you're wind down time, whatever that is. You think you need to rest, and we do need rest. Sure. Every day from work or the kids and all that, it's like, oh, I'm going to sit here and relax and watch TV or I'm going to watch YouTube or yep. 
gonna fiddle and get on Facebook, whatever it is. Oh yeah. That we'll use. I, I do, and it's something I need to work on. Is that wind down time really that good. I think is mine, but it should be his. That's really good too. And Sean makes a good point. I think, I, and I think you might be referring to idle time. Yeah. I, that's good because. I mean, I think we all need to an extent. You need some time. Obviously, you need some what we call that you time, me time, right? We need some time to kind of relax and unwind. Sure, we all need those things. Uh, but I'm with Sean. Sometimes that phone can be a major weight. And I've got plans, and I've said, how many of you have done this? Just, just answer this. How many of you had planned on spending 10, 15 minutes looking up a product or something you were researching, and you looked up, an hour and a half done gone by? Now, now, I'm not saying there was necessarily anything wrong with that. What I'm saying is, is that if that becomes a weight that keeps us away from God, then, the, then what we need to do is recognize what the Bible says. The Bible says, lay that thing aside. Lay that thing aside and set it down. That's a weight. It's a burden. It's a distraction. Lay it, lay it down. Now, let's, let's move past weight. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which just... Uh, does so easily beset us. What does sin do? Kills you. Separate. Separate you from God. Right? So we have to separate the burdens and the distractions, but we also have to separate ourselves from sin because sin itself separates us from God. It keeps us away from it. This this is the... I was listening to... Um, I'm not going to tell you who they were, but I was listening to a... Uh, I was listening to Living Waters the other day and uh, Ray Comfort, and he was talking about uh, the polarizing athletes, and he named two athletes, and I'm not going to tell you the name of those athletes, but he named two athletes, and he said, why is this athlete's version of Christianity accepted and celebrated, but this version of Christianity uh, is not celebrated? Why do they demean this one and uphold this one? I thought that was a really good question. So he, so he, he began to share and talk about how there's a form of Christianity that's well accepted. And you've heard us talk about this in here, and he brought it up in that, that video. The version of Christianity that is accepted is the version of Christianity that does not talk about sin. That's accepted. But when you start talking about repentance unto salvation, now that's a problem. And, I mean, there's a lot of athletes out there today that will say, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Talk about their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did this for me, and Jesus Christ did that for me. But there's no fruit to come after it. Some of the, their mouths are very filthy and dirty. You say, well, you're judging, Tanner. I, the Bible tells me to look for the fruit. I'm not seeing any fruit. And so when I, I, I see this version of Christianity that's starting to begin to, it's garnering a lot of power and a lot of interest uh, in the world today, and it's a Christianity... That doesn't repent. There's no repentance. You, there, there cannot be Christianity without repentance. Do we agree with that? Amen. It's got, there's got to be repentance. And so we, we hold firm to that. So anyway, he's saying, uh, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that which just so easily beset us, and let us run, run with patience the race that is set before us. I always thought, thought that was good. We've got to run, right, right? That's a run. But the, but the word says, run with patience. Run with patience. I, I, don't, I don't know how much longer this thing is going to last. Of course, uh, 
we understand that the return of Jesus is, is imminent and has been imminent for a long time. We see the day fastly approaching, but we obviously don't know exactly when that day is. And so the Bible says to, to lay these things aside, lay sin aside, get rid of the burdens, get rid of the distractions, and run. Well, then you have to ask yourself, am I in a position of running? Because the Bible said run. Are we walking? Are we, have we taken a detour? Because that's exactly what distraction does. Is distraction is, is that I'm going to take this, this path over here. This one seems like kind of like a neat little trail to take, and then we take an offshoot, and then we end up lost. Right? Anybody do that before? I got out here on a limb. I did something. I, I took a trail that I wasn't supposed to, and now I'm lost. I don't know where I'm at. Often that happens when, when we are not focused on him anymore. We're focused on self. Amen. We have an idea um, that I remember where I was, but I'm not doing the same things that I used to do. Uh I've got other things that are important to me now. God gave me these things, and now I'm taking a bit of a detour. I'm walking in a different place, and now I'm not running anymore. I'm walking. Taking a detour. Not physical. Spiritual. Not physical. So he said, let us run with the patience of the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking to who? Jesus. Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we know where Christ is at now, right? The right hand of power. He intercedes for you and I. Thank God. Amen. For consider him, think about this number, verse 3, what does it say? It says, consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Pastor, I think you were talking about that this morning. The wearied mind and the tired mind. It says right here, consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds saying consider him and what does that mean remember what he endured Amen. remember what he went through and you're going to go through some stuff and i think that's exactly what the scripture is referring to is this inclusiveness in this package that you and i have have devoted ourselves into is that i'm going to have faith in christ and i'm going to believe in him and i'm going to go closer to him right that's what we want to do we want to grow closer to him but a lot of people don't Figure the cost and what it costs to actually grow closer to him. And what it's actually going to take in the sacrifice in our own lives. And the fact that we're going to have to deny ourselves in order to, to get more of him. It feels like, um, you know, think of them times when you, the closer you get to him, it feels like there's just things that just die off. Anybody with me? As you start dying off the closer you get to him. But I've also noticed that if I, as I have fallen away from the Lord at different times, that those things grow back. Those things that I beat before, I was like, man, I beat that a long time ago. Here it comes again. Now, what is that doing back here? What do I, why am I going through? I haven't been tempted by that in years. Why is that back again? Might want to check. Make sure you're still drawing closer. There might be something. There might be a, a bit of a, a lack of fervency. You might be bearing some weights and some burdens that you need to lay aside. 
You might need to get rid of some things that's weighted you down. So it says to consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. That's really good. What's the reference to? The blood that was already shed for you and me. That's what the reference is to. It's like, you, had, you hadn't had to do that. You didn't have to go through that. He did. So that part of it's done. But it's, it's saying that, that we need to consider him and the sacrifice that he went through so we can keep things in perspective. Yeah. That's good. That's good that we, we were talking about this this morning. It's good that we look back and count tears sometimes. That's good. It's good that you look back on those things and remember what God brought you out of. It might seem like it's kind of a redundant thing. Well, we, we talk about the birth of Jesus, and we talk about the resurrection of Jesus, and Tanner, it seems like that's all we talk about at times. Good. Don't ever let that out of your sight. Don't ever, don't ever forget that. Always keep that close to you. Always remember what he endured and what he went through and the, and the price that was paid, the high price that was paid in order for you to be where you're at today. And we forget that. I mean, think about this from a country perspective. Think about some of the things that our own country has forgotten and what we've been through as a country that's brought us to where we're at today. Are people trying to wipe that thing underneath the rug? History is very much a part of who we are. It's very much a part of who we are. Whether you're ashamed of it or not, have we done things that we're shameful of in our past? Absolutely. But it's your history. Yes, has God forgotten those things? Has he forgotten your sin? Absolutely. But it's still your history as an individual. It's a, it's a story of what God brought you out of. We have a history of a, as a country. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's been bad. Sometimes we've done some shameful things as a country, right? But it's our history nonetheless. And being able to know your history will help you stay focused on what's ahead of you. We don't need to forget. I'm glad I'm forgiven. Amen? I'm glad I'm forgiven. But there are times that I need to remember what we've been through and what I've been through. It helps me stay focused. And so in verse 5, it says, And you have forgotten... The exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not you the chastening of the Lord. Chastening, which actually means rebuke. Weight, carrying excess of weight can distract you. It can keep you away from the Lord. It can keep you from getting to where you need to be with God. Not receiving correction which is what chastening is. This is what it's talking about here. It says, don't despise correction of the Lord. Being corrected. Nobody, nobody, at least I haven't met him yet, nobody likes being corrected. I don't. <laughs> I don't like it at all. I don't like being corrected, especially if it's by somebody that's close to you, right? Come on now, has somebody close to you ever corrected you? Your spouse ever corrected you before? It's like, nah, you know, I'm not hearing that today. Well, at some point in time, you're going to have to hear it. Correction, correction, or chastisement. Correction is, is um, your growth is perpetuated off of chastisement. Your, your growth, remember, think about it. As a kid, 
I go back just like anyone else and I think about the times that I was corrected by my own mom and my own dad and what am I today? Thankful for the correction. Amen. And it's no different with growth in the Lord. And so what does that look like though? Well, sometimes it comes through his through reading his word, right? Sometimes. Sometimes it comes through somebody coming to you. Now, I would if I'm if I'm gonna give my preference, I would prefer to receive correction on my own. It's less embarrassing. <laughs> it's less to deal with, right? I almost feel like correction is a burden in and of itself. But I wish I could just do it on my own. But that's not the way it works. You see, God chooses the way that he's going to, to, to correct you, and, and it doesn't always happen the same way. Services are, good, are a good example of that. Sometimes you're in a service, and the pastor breaks the word out, and he breaks it down, and it impacts you, right? It's like, ouch. Well, you hit me hard today. And that's good, right? And it's good because you can internalize it and no one ever has to know. <laughs> but sometimes he chooses to correct you in a different way. Sometimes he sends somebody your way. He said, hey, brother, sister, family member, cousin, I've been noticing something. And I just, I just want to tell you, I don't think you're right about this. And what's the first emotion? What's the first emotion? Who are you to tell me? Let me let me tell you what you've been doing wrong. That's usually the first emotion. See, see, God, we got to be really careful because sometimes God will put somebody in our path. He'll put somebody in our in our path to give us correction, to tell us. And it's it's not about slapping your hand and saying you're wrong. No, chastisement is just that in and of itself. It's a correction. It's to say, let, let me just, let me, you, you've been going this way. I need to put you back over here. And so God has to put somebody in your path to tell you what's going on so you can go back to doing the right thing again. But because we are so bad at receiving correction, we take it personal. I believe you'd say that to me. What, what I'm doing is not that bad. I don't know. I can't believe they would say that to me. They got their own things they need to be worried about. And then we'll quote scripture to support it. And it makes us feel better. <laughs> you need to be worried about the thing in your eye. Right? It makes us feel better. It's easier. It's easier to get through. But let's hold on for just a minute. Let's, let's think for just a second. I think if you want to draw closer to God, I think if you truly are wanting to draw closer to God, I think you're going to be hit with a lot of times where you're going to have to be corrected. Amen. Because there's no way in the world you're going to draw into the Holy of Holies. There's no way you're going to draw into the presence of the Lord without God putting checkpoints in front of you of where you're going to have to be corrected where you're wrong. Amen. He's, he's going to do it. I've experienced it in my own life. Just awful to deal with. <laughs> awful. And this is not something that necessarily happens in one night or over one conversation. This is over time. And as I grow closer to him... He's weeding out the weights and the burdens of my own life. He's weeding them out. He's showing me this is what you're doing wrong. And sometimes it hurts really bad. And sometimes it's very difficult to process. It's like, you know what? I really don't want to have to deal with that right now. But remember what I, remember what I asked at the beginning. Do we all want to draw closer to God? You've got to remember what you were in this for to begin with. I want to be closer to you. And what am I willing to pay to get there? Amen. 
What am I willing to pay to actually get there? And so it said, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. Like he said, don't, don't pass out. <laughs> don't lose yourself because I told you you were wrong. Don't lose yourself. And I think that's so funny because why would he be warning us here of doing such? Because that's what people do. They faint. They get weak. They lose themselves when they get corrected. And, and, and I know it's easy. You know, we, we have fun in here. We talk about it in here, and it's a lot of fun because it's easy to talk about because we're, we're within a, a, a group of like believers, and we kind of understand the struggle with this. But tomorrow, tomorrow you might get hit with it. Tomorrow you might get corrected. Tomorrow your spouse might try to correct you. You going to be okay with it? Tomorrow, a family member may come to you and say, hey, listen, I, I really don't want to bring this up, but I need to tell you this. And they tell you, and they're telling you that you've been accused of doing something wrong. Are you going to be okay? Are you going to hear the whole story? Or are we going to become defensive? You never know. God might have put them in your path for a reason. You may need to hear what they have to say. So before we faint, before we faint, let's wait and let's listen to the whole matter. Might be right. We might be in the wrong. All right, so uh, it says, uh, don't faint when you're rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. That's a good thing, right? It says, if, if he loves you, you're going to get corrected. You're going to get corrected. And scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, if, that's it, that's a big word, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. That means, that means you are a part of the family if you'll endure it. If. Right, I'll, I'll capitalize those letters for you. If you will endure it. If you're okay with being corrected. If you will endure it. If you'll go through it, then you're received of him. He said, I'll receive you. I deal with you as children. I consider you a son, a daughter. You're mine. But what does but think about this though? Let's let's flip the coin for just a minute. What if we don't do that? Let's just say we don't endure correction. Let's say let's say we just do the complete opposite. If you endure chastening, let's just say I don't endure it. I don't want to endure chastening. I don't like what you got to say to me, and I get offended every single time somebody tries to correct me. Every time my spouse corrects me, I'm offended. Every time I hear a message, I'm offended. There's a lot of people, and I'm not even saying this just for the sake of the message. There are people that are in churches that the moment they become offended, they go church shopping. I'm offended. I don't really like the way he said that. And he's been saying it every week for the last three weeks. I don't think we need to go here anymore. I don't think this is where God has got us. What is it? So every time we get our toes stepped on, we're ready to go to another church. Every time we get offended, every time we get hit, Maybe the change isn't with the pastor. Maybe the change isn't with the one who said it. Maybe the change is with us. Maybe it is. Maybe it's just hard to swallow. Maybe it's not really in our nature anyway. In the fleshly nature, it's not in the fleshly nature to be corrected. You guys understand that, right? Now, I can talk about how this thing died a long time ago, and I put this thing under, but I still feel emotions. And, and, and my flesh emotions begin to come out when I become corrected. 
No, not today. <laughs> you with me? No, I don't want, no, not today. After a long day, right? My wife says, why do you keep putting this here? Every time I come to the table, this thing is here. And I'm like, And at times I've spoken out of place. <laughs> and at the other times I've handled it gracefully. Correction's never gonna be easy, ever. It's never gonna be easy. But it is absolutely fundamental if you wanna draw close to the Lord. Absolutely fundamental. You're gonna have to be okay with it. You're gonna have to be okay with it. I say this both ways too. Listen, I've been talking about spouses here. Listen, I'm not trying to stir up any fuss. <laughs> But husbands and wives as a unit, remember, they're no longer individuals. They are one, correct? So that means that wives have the authority to correct husbands. Husbands have the authority to correct wives. It works both ways. Now, a lot of times that's not popular. They say, oh, no, you don't. Wives only. Listen, we're one, right? You, you treat your wife, or you're supposed to treat your wife according to the Word of God or what the Word of God says. Wives the same way. Wives treat their husbands the same way. Biblical. But if a wife can't correct a husband and a husband can't correct a wife, then we've got a problem. Amen. It's going to be a problem. They've got to be able to correct each other. And if there's no correction, there can be no growth. So, just anyway, I'm throwing that out there. Don't let that stir up any fuss at home or anything. <laughs> So if, if you endure chastity, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Meaning, what child is there that he doesn't, that doesn't chasten? There's not one. He's going to chasten them. But if you be without chastisement, or of all, are partakers then, are you bastards and not sons? You're like, ooh, that's kind of some hard speech there, Tanner. Well, let me tell you what that means. That means you're fatherless. What it's saying here is that if you have chastisement and if there's chastisement going on in your life and the Lord is correcting you, then you have a heavenly father. But if you don't have chastisement, you don't receive chastisement, he's saying literally you're fatherless. Think about the ramifications of that. It's literally saying that he receives you if you're okay with receiving correction. But if you're not okay with receiving correction, He's saying, it's like you're living without a father. And then now, now look at the connection here. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us. And we gave them reverence. That's good. So we had fathers in the flesh that corrected us. Should we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? That's good. That's really good. He's saying... You reverenced your fleshly father. And you did what he had to say. Why wouldn't you want to reverence your spiritual father? And live, meaning he's the one that decides whether you live or die. Wouldn't it make he's the one that decides heaven and hell, right? Wouldn't we want to be in subjection to him? Absolutely. So it's saying, be okay with that correction. For they verily, for a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure. What verse 10 means is is that when it's talking about a fleshly father or an earthly father, it's talking when it says uh, after their own pleasure, meaning what they viewed as being correct, their viewpoint, their perspective. Uh, it chastened us after our own pleasure, but he, he meaning our father, 
for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. There it is right there. Uh-huh. There it is right there. What are we striving for? What has pastor been talking about for years? Holiness. Looking for holiness. Trying to get to holiness. Wanting to be as holy as possible. Um, I look at this right here, and it says, and I'm just going to read that again. Take in what it's saying. Say that, that, that our, heaven, our, our fleshly father, our earthly father, uh, chastened us for a few days after their own pleasure, but he did it for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. The reason that he chastens you and corrects you is to steer you closer to holiness and to being more like him. Think, think about this. You're going to stand before him one day, right? Now, now this, is the, this is the part that gets me right here. I heard a lot of people talk about this. They said, well, I've been saved. I was actually listening. I just listened to an interview recently. And he said, I, I, he's, this individual confessed. He said, I have received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he's like, okay, when was the last time you read your word? And he said, about a month ago. And he said, when was the last time you watched these dirty things? And he said, like, really recent. What? Wait a second. Something doesn't seem right here. Now, you ain't been reading your word, but you're still engaged in all these things. But see, at some point in time, he was saved. He was saved. And that that salvation to him is once and for all. I'm good to go. I ain't got nothing else to have to worry about. When this thing ends, and he asked him, he said, where are you going when you die? I'm going to go to heaven. What makes you think that? Because I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Remember. That don't work. Covenant. Covenant. Mm-hmm. We went into covenant with him. So now we have a two-part deal. Go ahead, Jim. We'll have to understand, you know, that our earthly fathers, they do it because we need to be taught. And we have to understand that God does it because it's the same thing. Our, our earthly father loves us and he wants to teach us before we get into that problem and get hurt. Mm-hmm. And so does our Heavenly Father. Yeah. He wants to teach us before we get into this stuff and it won't be so hard for us to go through life because you're going to get into something. Right. And yeah. if you're you not careful, it's going to be something you don't want. Exactly. But I always think of it like this too. Why all of the, why all the drama? I mean, if this thing is a once and for all thing, really. Uh-huh. Yeah. If this is a once and for all thing, why all the spiritual warfare? Why all the teaching? Why all of the of the process of drawing closer to God? If this is a once in a, a lifetime thing, and I get saved and I'm good to go, then why are we even going to church? Why do I need to learn anymore? Once I come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, I should be good, right? No. No. No, you ain't good. No, you're just a baby, according to the word of God. You're a baby and you're on the milk. The idea is to go from milk to the meat and to, and to begin to chew on hard things and to get into the deeper things of God. That's always been God's plan. And so if it is a once in a once uh once uh winner take all, once an experience thing, then why why do we see so many people with this idea? That that's the best thing to do. I ain't got nothing to worry about. I got saved 20 years ago. I, I'm not 
I don't know. I really don't know about where other people are at. All I know is, is when I see God's word and I see the things that he's telling me, I see a father fighting for the souls of his children. Mm -hmm. That's what I see. I see a father fighting for the souls of his children. Think of it this way. He wanted you to be with him so bad that he sent his son to die for you, right? We all recognize it, right? Okay. But even, even with that, once he did that, that was, that was, salvation was good for the rest of your life. We're good. We've, we've, uh, we've defeated sin. But now we have a lifetime to live, right? We have a whole life to live. Rest of our lives, seeking and drawing closer to him. There is this constant battle over your soul. Constant battle. Yes, it is. Over your soul to try to keep you from being with him. That's the devil's plot. That's his plan. I mean, think about it like this. I mean, families that have had years and years of disputes, the children's children dealing with disputes that their, that their great-grandfathers had started long ago. And the only way that they can get to the end of it and learn how to, to heal is to do the history and understand what the dispute was about, right? We've got to figure out what the dispute was and let's crush this thing. Now I want you to think of something. You're a part of history. You're a part of spiritual history in a dispute that took place in the heavenlies and got Satan kicked out of heaven. You are a part of that history. If you want to figure out why you're being fought so hard, do your history and look at what this thing, whole thing started with. It started with Satan wanting to be greater than God. And by doing that, he got himself exiled. He was cast down here. And that's what you and I have to deal with on a daily basis is constantly being attacked and bombarded from somebody that doesn't want us to be next to our father because that's what the this dispute was way back when think about it and it always you go back and you start to look at that that's why you are engaged in the battle that you are engaged in today because satan doesn't want you to go be with the father forever he doesn't want this to end well for you it's kind of like uh it's like i'm gonna get you by taking your children from you. I'm, I, I, can't, I can't hurt you directly, but I can hurt you by taking your children. All, why would you be fought so hard? Why do we get fought harder after we receive salvation? Do you ever think about that? Why? Why are you hit so hard? If everything is locked in place, the devil should just leave you alone. Right? You ain't got nothing to worry about. I'm good now. I don't have anything to worry about. But why does Satan then begin to attack you? Because something now is at stake. He lost you. He's going to try to get you back. There's a real battle going on. All right, let's close. Verse 11. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous. <laughs> this stuff is awful. It even uses the word here, but grievous. It's grievous, vexing, hard, difficult to digest process hard to deal with nevertheless afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness righteousness is what you and i are looking for right our righteousness is as what biblically says filthy rags it ain't no good it's nasty and dirty that's what our righteousness is like is it but your your correction 
Mm -hmm. Your correction will yield peaceable fruit that leads to righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Yeah, you had to be exercised. You had to go through something that worked it out of you. You had to. Mm -hmm. We were kind of talking about this this morning, that a lot of the times the things that you're going through is working something in you very great. You can't see it. It's not going to be seen tomorrow. It's not going to be seen, seen next week. There are things that God has been working on me in, and I begin to mature in certain areas, and I didn't even realize I was there until it was over. Mm -hmm. It took years to get there. I said, wow, that's amazing. I didn't, it, didn't, it didn't happen with a bang. It didn't happen with an explosion. There was no confetti or nothing. It's like, all right, you're here. We've been working on this one for 12 years. Let's move on to the next one. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, and I think, thank God for that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you have to be exercised. You have to be corrected. You have to be told that you are not right so you can ultimately be right. It's a tough thing to digest sometimes. Well, it's just like I'm um, trying to teach my great grandbaby right now. You know, it's not it's not winter time. Stoves off. Oh yeah. But I don't even go over and touch it because if he don't learn now, you'll go over and touch it when it's hot. Yep. So, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. You'll burn them hands. Yeah. And so that's. And I've had to give a little stiff with him once. <laughs> And he looked up by him. It's all right, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it hurts. It's hard. Yeah. And so, I th so, so, so tonight's message. You think about what we've talked about tonight. We talked about some various things, but if you're if you're looking to draw closer to the Lord, we we really do. We have to be okay with being corrected. We do, and and, and not just in our, in our personal relations with people, but you know when we're talking about drawing nearer to Him. That's coming to a place where we recognize our faults and our wrongs, and we're okay with setting aside distractions. We're okay with receiving information and laying off things that are holding us down. It's like a it's like a funnel because I, I don't think that you, I don't think that laying aside weights is something that happens just one or two days. I think you become uh, a master at receiving the things that God is speaking to you and then laying off the things that are holding you down every single day. Amen. You get it. It's like a process. You just start getting it. I'm receiving more from God. I'm laying off distractions. And it happens over and over and over again. And you begin to really get into the place with God that you really want to be.